This podcast is hosted on mtgcast.com with generous sponsorship from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier financial news site. The staff at Quiet Speculation believes that every Magic player deserves the information that lets them play Magic for less money. To learn more about the fundamentals of getting good trades and instantly engage with a friendly and mature community, go to quietspeculation.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to East West Draftcast. I'm back. Jeff McDonald, one of your hosts, co-host, if you will, other host, co-host, if you will, Greg Smith. How you doing? I will, and I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, we are here. It is time to talk draft now that I have finally actually drafted. Um, yeah, I uh, once it came out online, I had the spare time here and there to get in a few drafts. I think I have four under my belt now. And I'm starting to get a feel for the format, so figured I'd come on and we'd talk about it. Uh, so we're just going to talk fucking DGR, dropping F-bombs already. That's how we do it. Uh, we got some pick of cards, and uh, I think we're going to try to do a little risers and fallers as well. Yeah, and then just a little bit of kind of general discussion, a la the last episode I recorded with Ryan, where we just talk about the format in general. I want to hear what Jeff has to say about it because um, I haven't really picked his brain much on it and I'd like to see where he's coming at it from and uh, see if we can incorporate that into our games and improve as magic players because that'd be nice. Yeah, I will say, (laughs) I will say also that I've not only drafted, but I've also watched uh, a few drafts on Ryan's end actually. And uh, he's, he's a fun person to watch draft because he never listens to what I say. Because he always takes the wrong card? No, he takes... I mean, he he always has a plan. That's what I'll say about Ryan Hogan. Okay, Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) uh, do you want to kick things off with a pick card? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with a bunch of shitty cards. Awesome. Pick a card, Simic Kirun or Towering Thunderfist? Oh, what are you talking about, shitty cards? Uh... (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, just... Both, both playable, sure, but I mean, not, not great shakes. I just drafted a deck that was blue-black, splashing green. I had a Simic Kiru in my pile, and I didn't play it. Uh, I feel like that speaks to the card, and I'm gonna take the Thunder Fist, because that Kiru is pretty much just, like, I think it's worse than the Clue Stone. Is it worse? Is it the worst Kirun? No, blue red's probably worse. Blue red, yeah, I guess two three is just better than the blue red one. Yeah, they're both okay. so bad. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I'm I'm on Thunderfist as well. Uh, so pick a card, Thunderfist or Corpse Blockade. Um, I would take the blockade. It seems to me that. It's so easy to get five plus mana cards in this format, like beyond easy. And threes are a little bit harder. So uh, there are a lot of really good three drops in this format. There are, but they're also more important. You play more of them, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess the question I, w- I would ask that is, 
how good is the Corpse Blockade? Because I do think Thunder Fist is a, just a more powerful card. I think. And I mean, that, that's why it costs more mana. Well, sure. Yeah, a 4 4 is better than a 1 4 Defender. I agree. But I think the deck that wants the Corpse Blockade is valuing it a little bit higher than the deck that wants the 4 4. Maybe. I don't know. They're both pretty bad. Um, and. Yeah, I just don't care for five drops right now, especially in red. Okay. Why is that? Red decks tend to not play either any five drops or they play like one. Just because their curves are so low, they tend to be aggressive decks. All, oh, not all four, but most of the red guilds are pretty aggressive based. And, uh, fives, I mean, five mana is, a lot of mana. I don't know. Okay. I think I'm sticking with the Thunderfish just because it's the card I'd rather play with. Like, Blockade is okay, but it only goes into one kind of deck. Like, I could play Thunderfist in basically any red deck. Like, I wouldn't be excited about it, but I wouldn't feel bad about it either. You know, if it just seems like a safer card to take. I mean, Blockade could also go into any black deck, but if you're in, a, like, a Rakdos-based deck... I do not want a Corpse Blockade, whereas I could see myself playing a Towering Thunderfist and not hating myself for it, you know? Uh, yeah, I, you're probably right on that count. There might be a, a few more decks that, that that card does fit in. I just don't I think there's gonna, you're going to get hit more 5-drops. I don't know. All right, well, you didn't want a 5-drop. How about a 4-drop? Pick a card, Corpse Blockade, or Zurichi Tiger. Yeah, that card's gone down in value. Um, oh, why do you say that? I I haven't played with it yet in the new format, but if anything, I would think it would go up. Just because it's a slower format, you have more time to gain some life with him. True, but you don't have like, but Orzov is less of a strategy, right? The like uh, extorty grind deck. Yeah, that that's a hard deck to come by, and. Uh, and it, it really shined in that deck versus the other, like, or, like, you know, kind of other grindy matches or things like that. I, I don't know. It just feels like a too slow, I don't know. I just feel like I'd rather have, like, a Gatekeeper, even, in a lot of decks. Yeah, I think gatekeepers are, gatekeepers are probably all just better than this card because they, if you have the gates, they affect the board immediately, and if you don't have the gates, they're a two four compared to a two three. Um, yeah, I think maybe that's what makes me feel like I ne- like every time I've seen this card in like when I'm looking and evaluating, I'm like I really don't need that. Like no matter what kind of deck I'm drafting, but okay, I can see that. What do you th- okay? Just this is not on the list, but what do you think about Zurichi Tiger versus uh, the Hired Torturer, the new Black Defender? Oh, I like tor- Torture a lot more. Comes really comes down a turn early, um, and it can be a win condition where the Tiger can just slow the game down, right? I mean, the Tiger can attack. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty weak win condition. Uh, it's an unblockable win condition. Which is okay. is a real thing. I don't know. Unblockable but expensive. Yeah, I mean you're probably right. I just was. I, I think those cards are both kind of close in value. Actually, I don't know which one I. I the torture probably is better just because it is a mana cheaper and it can allow you to just win the game if you have enough time. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't think it's much 
better than a Zarisha Tiger. I also do think that the white decks tend to be more aggressive than the black decks. Ooh, I don't know if I agree with that. The Esper decks and the Bant decks I've seen have all been kind of mid-range to controlling right. from, from what I've seen, but I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, so. So are you taking the Corpse Blockade? Um, I am taking... Can I have the Hired Torture? <laughs> uh, I'll, nope. ta- I'll take the Corpse Blockade. All right, uh, last up, Corpse Blockade or Ember Beast? Oh, Ember Beast. Slam... Okay. Slam it. Yeah, me too. I, I left the, the easiest pick for last, I think. Yeah, he's, he's not as good, but still still good. I mean... I'll say, I think he's just as good as he used to be. I don't know why you would say he'd be any worse. Uh, because you tend to have less, like, hasted creatures than before. You don't... What hasted creatures did you have in Gatecrash besides the Sky Knight? Uh... Nothing besides the Sky Knight, but that you had the Sky Knight. Well, now you have the the Vaishino guy at the same mana cost in the same colors. Yeah, but you have nothing in return to Ravnica. Okay, that's fair. Huh. Yeah, I don't I don't think that matters as much to me, like the number of haste creatures. I guess it, it can affect the power level of the card in certain decks, but he still attacks when you have two creatures or blocks when you have two creatures if you want him to. True. Yeah, that's that's his job. Okay. All right, Ember Beast out of that one. Uh, ready for another one? Yeah. All right. So this one's gonna mix up the sets a little bit. Those were all gate crash cards. Right. Um, pick a card. White of Precinct Six or Death Cult Rogue. Uh, that's the unblockable rogue, right? Yep, uh, unblock can't be blocked except by rogues. Yeah. And the white is the 1-1 one, one for 2 that gets plus 1 plus 1 for each creature card in your opponent's graveyards. I think I want the rogue. Uh, it's more flexible, I think, so that's why. Okay. That turns on Cypher, goes in more decks. Yeah, it's just like, it's a hybrid card, so it naturally is easier to cast. Or, not necessarily easier to cast, but but can can be in just a blue deck or you know just a black deck. So it's okay. it's and it's fine. I mean there are, I think there are less rogues running around, so the I think the torturer is a rogue. Yeah, I that sounds familiar. <laughs> there's a, there's a few rogues in the new set, but I don't think there were I mean there were maybe a couple in Return of Ravnica, but not really. You know what I found with that card is that most people just consider him unblockable. They don't even look at the creature oh, type man. of the creatures. I have I have gotten free kills because oh, yeah. of that. I've ran that guy through rogues before and my opponents just were not paying attention. Not to say that you're always gonna have that be the case, like some people are gonna pay attention, but <laughs> man, like you you feel like you're operating on this this different level when people aren't even like acknowledging the fact that they could possibly block this card because they just take that shortcut in their brain to say, ah, it's unblockable. I can't block that. Yeah, there is there is a new card that is a rogue. Is it is it the torture? Because I did I, I did get somebody with that. I think it is. Uh, uh, I need to look I, this up. Yeah, why don't you look it up? And while you're looking it up, think about this: Death Cult Rogue or Wind Drake? Uh, it. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I the Drake. I mean. 
just because it could also block flyers. Yeah, and and sure, it can't go in a black only deck, but yeah, that's pretty important. Um, yeah, it is the torture. You're right. It's a rogue, and I did. Is that the only rogue at common in uh, Dragon's Maze? Uh, no, the one three is a rogue as well. Oh yeah, but that card's probably just unplayable, right? Um, I uh, generally, ha- I mean, have you have you run it or ran against it? Uh, actually, the the deck I was talking about when we started that I just drafted, I drafted two of them because I had three um, of the fumes, and I figure I could ambush three three toughness things with it uh, if I didn't get enough two drops. Turned out I got plenty of two drops and I didn't need them. Huh. But that would that was like the time like I took them like you know last picks. And I was thinking, you know, I might play these. And then I didn't. So, I, I, yeah, it's probably pretty close to unplayable. Okay. Did you know that in, this is just a quick sidebar, that in Return to Ravnica, every color except white has a rogue? No way, really? Yep. White does not get one, but red has Vaishino Racketeer, the guy who lets you uh, discard a card and draw a card when he comes into play. He's a rogue? Yes, and green has Golgari Decoy, the uh, the lure scavenge creature is also a rogue interesting yeah and then there are two blue ones stealer of secrets and fairy imposter and two black ones tavern swindler and ogre jailbreaker oh jailbreaker's a rogue yeah that card is awesome now by the way yeah (laughs) i love the jailbreaker in the new format i already kind of liked him and now it's just like a easy high pick yeah i agree all right, but I digress. We're picking cards, and you are picking now between Wind Drake and Dead Reveler. Uh, let's go Reveler. Yeah, is it easy for you there? Pretty easy. I think um, it's plus two, plus one, or plus one, plus two for the same mana cost. Right. It, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's similar to, I, I think it's better than the, what's the one we were just talking about that's red, that's the same size and cost. Uh, oh. Ember Beast. Ember Beast. Yeah, I like it a lot more than Ember Beast. Um, or maybe not a lot more, but but more than Ember I Beast. I like it a lot more than Ember Beast. Yeah. Um, and the Windrake, I'm always fine playing, and it does its job, but I'm I'm not super excited. I mean, we have, like, the, what's the hybrid blue-white one. Uh, we have that one too. It's just, it's also Windrake. Oh, you know? the, the spirit. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that card right now for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think the difference between these two cards to me is pretty much any game I'd be very happy just to take draw my card for turn three, play a land, and unleash a dead reveler. Yeah. Any pretty much any game on turn three, like that seems like a great play to me. Yeah. Whereas it's... like not every game do I want to just jam my Windrake onto the battlefield on turn three. Totally. You know? Alright, anyway, last up. Dead Reveler or Drake Wing Crisis. 3-1 Flying Trample. Yeah. Uh, it's, I guess, a very good card still. It was good in Gate Crash. It's, it's probably equally good today. Uh, I think both of these cards are, yeah, both still very good. Yeah. Um, but. The mana cost, I'm going to go with the Reveler. Yeah, Monocolor is definitely a perk of the Reveler. Mm-hmm. And and playing blue with an aggressive card is a little weird, because blue is a 
I don't know. It's it's hard to be aggressive with blue sometimes. Is blue the worst color in the format? I would not say that. Uh, I would say it's the hardest to draft. I don't I don't have a I don't have a feel on the worst color right now, which is nice because when like probably after the first time I drafted Gate Crash, I I had a a feel like a feeling that blue was the worst color, and pretty sure I was right. Yeah, I think we felt that way just upon reading the spoiler. Yeah, really. Uh, and it, I and it does seem like blue is it's tough uh, and very well could just be the worst color, but I don't know. I I get this feeling that we're, that we're missing something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's the a that's still brand new, you know, and there's a lot. We can go pretty deep still, I think. Oh yeah, I I really feel like this is going to be a format that is, uh, it's going to be very similar to uh shard the full shards block where, by the end, you're still discovering, you know, new ways to draft it. I think I think this is pretty deep format. Yeah. Uh, all right, I have one more list if you wanna if you wanna run it back one more time. Shit, man, marathon, I'm in. <laughs> all right, pick a card: armored wolf rider or flux charger. Which one's flux charger? That's the one five flyer for two, a blue and a red. And if you cast an instant or sorcery spell, oh, yeah. a switches power and toughness. Hell yeah, I'm taking that guy. <laughs> You you really like him, huh? Yeah, I've drafted out of my four drafts. Or I guess I've done five. Uh, I've drafted blue red twice, um, and he's like one of the best cards in that deck. He's good. Yeah, he's real real good. Um, yeah, I'll... I didn't think he was going to be that good upon like first viewing, but I played against him once, and that was like enough to catch my attention. And be like, oh, that card just made my life a living hell. Like, I couldn't attack through it, and when he wanted to attack with it, he was dealing me huge chunks of damage. Yeah. And then I played with it myself, and I got to do the same thing. It's like, oh, this card is really sweet. Yeah. I feel like they could have costed it at five, and it's at four mana. It's just, it's just really nice. Yeah, it's it's a solid, solid card. And, like, the just that paired with the Cyclops makes it so... Your opponent really does not know the gravity of how close they are to death <laughs> at any point. It's yeah. just like all of a sudden I'm attacking for nine plus when it looked like I had just two walls out. Like it's really deceiving and extremely powerful. Yeah, I drafted a uh, really bad Grixis wall deck last week at our, our Tuesday night draft and I didn't win. I won one match, but I won a few games over the course of the night, and most of them were on the back of Flux Charger plus one four Cyclops with Teleportal. You know, yeah, that's, Just, that's a big game. <laughs> that's a game. Yeah, that's how you that's how you win games. What do you think of the Armored Wolf Rider in general? The four six for five. I do like it. Um, and it, it's just it's really big, which is nice. For five mana, it's one of the better five mana creatures, I think. Yeah, it just gobbles up that towering thunderfist. Yeah, or even uh, what was that guy that we loved to draft and return to Ravnica, the hybrid black green 
five four. Oh yeah, the uh, oh god, it sucks that I can't remember the names of these cards. Anymore. I know our memories are getting worse, man. <laughs> <laughs> getting old. I know what card you're talking about though. Yeah, that guy, that card. I still like that card, but yeah, this this one's better. All right, uh, let's keep going. Flux Charger or Beetle Form Mage. Ooh, uh, I'm gonna still stick with the Flux Charger. Um, that Beetle Form Mage can do some work though. Yeah, that's the card I'm taking. Really? Yeah. Okay. It requires less to be very good. The Flux Charger kind of needs you to have some, like, certain elevated percentage of sorceries and instants in your deck, whereas the Beetle Form Mage just requires you to have a blue and a green mana. And guess what? It costs one blue-green to cast, so you probably have that mana available. Yeah, I I do like the Beetle Form Mage a lot. And what I have noticed from it is that it's not so much of a three drop. Um, no, it's yeah, it's it it costs a little more than it looks basically. Um, like you can play it on three, but the likelihood of you using its ability on turn four is pretty low. Um, I mean, if you have nothing to do, sure, it's it's fine and, and good. I mean, to be attacking four in the air, but but if you're not developing the board on turn four after your turn three drop. You might be getting behind, and it's it's more of like a five-ish thing. You know, he is basically unblockable on turn four, though, just because you can represent that pump. Absolutely, yeah. Like no one's going to block it unless they have a trick, right? You know. All right. Well, you're sticking with the flux charger. Yeah. Okay. So flux charger or profit loss, which is a split card. Profit loss is plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one. That's right. The white half is one and a white. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and the black half is three mana for creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one until end of turn. I have yet to see that card be cast. Um, so I'll stick with what I know, Flux Charger. Okay. I have cast this card. It's pretty good. It's, it definitely gets better the more X1s your opponent actually is running. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've also just used it as a, a weird, bad pump spell, too. You know, just played half of it. Yeah. I, and it's it's almost always worth a card. That's that's good. Yeah. Um, what do you think of it compared... Like, what do you think of it compared to other similar effects, like, um, say, Righteous Charge... Or, I mean, Righteous Charge is kind of different, but... Or, uh, what's the red one damage to everything? Electricery? Electricery. I'd rather have this than Electricery. Okay. Cool. And I'd rather have something like a Common Bond than this. You know? Okay, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, next up is Flux Charger or Rubble Belt Maka. Oh... The Maka. Uh, I'm going to take the Maka. Okay. Uh, going back back down from an uncommon to a common, why is that? Because it's really good. Uh, <laughs> it, it, the, I mean, G- Giant Growth is, in red is above the curve. Um, and I realize it's not just a straight Giant Growth, but it's close to. And it's got a, you know, a modular ability being it could be a hill giant if you need it and that's just so powerful like 
It just does everything. I, I fucking love that card. Yeah, another case to be made for the monocolored card as well. Yeah. Just only committing you to one color, and while you were not willing to say that blue was the worst color in the format, I am willing to say that red is the best color in the format. I am willing to back you up on that. Yeah, and Flux Charger is also a red card, but it's also a blue card, and we (laughs) were considering that that might be one of the not-as-good colors to be in. Um, so yeah, I like the monocolored card here as well, and yeah, just every time I've seen this card, it's been a beating, and it's almost always Blood Rush, I have to admit, but it's hard to see that coming the first couple times you draft the format, because you don't expect red to be able to Blood Rush for one mana, plus three, plus three. It's just really powerful. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I like this card more than Slaughterhorn, which... Seems like it's a better card, but I don't know. Like the blood rush, half of it happens more often, so like the extra toughness is nice, and then it's just in the better color. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Well, just because the the green card is a better card on its own, I think, as a creature. Sure. A three-two for three. I'd pro- well, I don't know if I'd rather have that than a hell giant. I think you Too would. Tough- yeah, probably. I mean, just three power a turn earlier. Yeah. But it's close. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would have loved the Maka if the Giant Growth cost two. It, it's so good at one. Like, the fact yeah. that it, it is that. I don't know. I love it. All right. Before we get into the last card on the list, how many gates have you found yourself winding up with in most of your decks so far? It's really ranged a big amount. Uh, I'd say I've averaged probably three. Okay, I've I've been somewhere in the three to five range in most of my decks, and one of them was a six gate deck. Oh, I've had an eight gate deck. Ooh, <laughs> five colors. Oh yeah, nice. How'd you do with that? Uh, I got to the finals. I lost in the finals, but um, that deck was so fucking fun. I had <laughs> five gatekeepers and eight gates. All right, well, last up on this list: Rubble Belt Maka versus Ubalsar Gatekeepers. I think most people would agree this is the best gatekeeper. It definitely is, but uh, the better four drop is the Maka. Yep, I agree. Yeah, it's uh, the the black gatekeeper is sweet, and I've actually so I drafted or attempted to draft five color twice, one time successfully, once not so much, and it was one of those things where I had a pick that was gate or Ubalsar gatekeeper. That's always a rough one. And I took the gatekeeper, and it just turned out to be wrong. Just interesting. Very wrong. And uh, and it's interesting, but really, like I've come to realize that yeah, it's the best gatekeeper. But if you're like in five color, this is this is just a five color discussion. But in five color, gates are just so much better because not only are they essentially making all your gatekeepers real cards, but they're fixing your mana too, where the gatekeeper, it's like, I could trade that black gatekeeper for a blue one or a green one and be just as happy, pretty much. Not not just as happy, but close to. And you end up with another gate in the process. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the Maka is just, I think he's just a step ahead. Yeah, I agree. For the most part, I found that the gatekeepers are on... About 
like 40 to 50% of the time yeah. early. If your if your deck is built for them, yes. I mean, I I've, yeah. I've cast gatekeepers in decks that had one gate. So <laughs> Right. And I guess that's what I'm saying is like I have a lot of I've had a lot of decks that were um like four four gates, you know, like not unreasonable and you sometimes you just don't draw them, you know. Oh, absolutely. And you can fall behind not fall behind. What's what's the expression I'm looking for? You just you don't get value out of those gatekeepers as often as you might like. And because of that, I've been considering them lower picks, like as I've kind of like drafted the format more. That's not to say they can't be very powerful, uh, but the red one in particular is a card I'm never really excited to pick. Uh, even the blue one, while it's fine, is not one that. Like, I, I don't see that card and be like, oh, I really want this gatekeeper, you know? The blue one? Yeah. Yeah. The black one is the only one that makes me think, oh, man, I wish I could play this. Yeah. You know? The black one is definitely the only one that feels that way. Although, like, they're all... S- well, not all. The red one's not good. <laughs> the red one's not good. The, all the other ones are, are good. I, I've come around on the green one. The green one is fine. Yeah. Seven fine. life is a ton of life. Yeah, in fact, that uh, round with in the finals that I lost, I I actually had the win next turn, but he top-decked an Azorius Justiciar, locking down two of my guys and attacking for the win. I had an unblockable dude, so I was going to kill him next turn. And the way I could have won that is just by top-decking my green uh, gatekeeper. I would have won, but I just needed that life. Yeah. All right, well, that's the the end of the pick a card list. Um, tell me, tell me more about these decks that you've drafted and cards you've played with. What is what has stood out to you so far in your in your first few drafts? Um, so my first few drafts, uh, I basically what stood out to me is that you still really want to be doing stuff in the early turns, whether or not you are controlling or aggressive. Um, with the, like, clue stone thing happening, my first uh, draft, I, I drafted kind of a, not a ramp deck, but a deck that wanted a few clue stones because I had a lot of expensive cards. And it just turns out that if you miss your two-drop, like your clue stone doesn't actually get to come out till way too late for it to really do anything in terms of ramping. You mean because you need to be doing something else on turn three? Yeah, like you just can't take that turn off. If like if you play a good two drop, like it's possible, but then it I don't know the the tempo is not great, which like it it feels like it should be like jumping four to five, but Four mana cards are really powerful. Um, not that much lower than fives, in my opinion. Uh, depending on which ones you're taking. I mean, like like a gatekeeper that's triggering. I mean, sure, that's hard to do on turn four, but that's just as powerful as as five drops, in my opinion. And I think I agree with you. Um, I don't know. It just feels like if you're skipping development and they're not you're you're just kind of effed even if even if you're both kind of mid-rangey decks it's just so so easy to get behind and tempo and cards are so powerful that 
like you can be caught with your pants down really easily, which makes me really dislike clue stones. Yeah, I'm kind of out on them as well, although I do think they're necessary for some decks. Mm -hmm. I don't mind running one or two in pretty much any deck unless I'm hyper-aggressive, but I found that if I'm running them, my goal is to blow them up and draw a card eventually. Absolutely. At some point, I want to cash that in. If I'm not doing that, I'm not happy. Right. And, yeah, I I, I think I'm unhappy if I'm playing two clue stones. It just They just... I don't know. I, I have not I have not loved them. Um the other things I've noticed, uh like the the five color, because I because I really wanted to try five color, I did it twice in a row. Um and it's I I'm pretty sure it's a totally doable good strategy, kind of like it was in Shards Block, but it really takes some serious impressive evaluation cojones. I mean, it just it, the evaluation is just so important and and gates are like top like you're in your first five picks you probably want three gates yeah i've noticed that too if you really want to play more than three colors you need to be taking pretty much every gate you see yeah it's true and and i did that once and my deck was sweet and i almost won um and it just yeah they're just so important because they turn on your your two for ones and and they fix your mana and it's that's why your deck's good is that like I, I like the first pack has some really powerful cards in it but you really do have to pass them unfortunately the the next packs will have powerful cards too and lucky you you get to take every single one you see yeah that's that's my problem with it so far has been that I don't usually have like the testicular fortitude to just be like, oh, I'm going to ship this sweet rare or this powerful uncommon and take a gate. I have a hard time justifying it in the first three picks. Yeah, the one the one draft that I did well and I got eight gates, which was overkill actually. I think I think eight is too many, uh, but it's really hard to get that many. I mean, I I in six picks I had five gates. Ooh. <laughs> and so you were going like super prioritized on those yeah and one of my first six picks uh i didn't even play in my deck so so <laughs> i o- i only played gates out of my first six picks that so i went boros guild gate was my first pick i actually took it over putrefy and crassus incubation which you monster which seems insane and the reason i did it because i was like because i'm like i'm drafting five color and i opened this pack i was like which one of these cards is better Putrefy. I was like, fuck it, I'll take the gate. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst logic I've ever heard. I know, it wasn't it wasn't sound, but uh and it turned out I, I totally didn't necessarily need that gate because I ended up with eight. But uh in uh, in the other ones I've I've also I've tried to draft f- five color more than twice. I I just audibled out of it really quickly when I realized it wasn't open. Um but it just it seems like yeah, and that's the other thing is that you have to realize when to audible out because when you get to say pick 3 or 4 and the gate's missing, you're in tr- you're in trouble. Like yeah, somebody else is looking to do the same thing, especially if you see other powerful cards in the pack. Like if the pack is just kind of terrible in general and the gate's missing, that doesn't really tell you as much because there could have just been nothing there for them when it when it was 
their turn to pick, you know? Yeah, and, but the nice thing about it is you, if you have taken gates in your early picks, they're not wasted. Like, you could end up needing it to splash, and it's very useful. So, I don't know. I, I, I really want to try to draft... A, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to get to draft a lot more, but I really want to understand how to do five color, because I think it's there. I just think it's the hardest thing to do. Um, and then my major takeaway, and the only drafts I've won, uh, were aggro decks. They're really good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason for that is that the currently, or one of the reasons, is that currently the card evaluation for aggro cards is is lower than it should be. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's just card evaluation. I think it's like the desire to draft dirtily four and five color decks like you're talking about. Sure, yeah. Um, I definitely have that desire. I know you don't, but... Well, no, I, I do. I just don't have it as bad as, say, you or Ryan. Right. But, yeah, it's one of those things where you'll get a seventh pick uh, by a Shino First Blade, is that it? I think that's what it's called, yeah. And it's... Cr- I mean, that card... It, it, the card is very, very good. Yeah, if you're Boros, that's, like, your best three-drop, you know? And it's just crazy that these things happen. Like, people are so afraid to commit to that kind of deck. Like, as early as seventh pick, that's not early, but it's it feels scary to people, I think. And um, embrace it, everyone. Uh, yeah. I, I in, in cards like Riot Piker, I understand Riot Piker is pretty garbo, but... He can get the job done if you have the spells to back it up. Spells being pump spells. Yeah, I'm still not playing that guy. <laughs> oh, oh man, he's totally playable. He just you... I I get it. I just I hate that card. No, it's it's really frustrating. Um, but I I watched a draft with Ryan who <laughs> I told you he has a plan. Uh, he first picked a, a punish the enemy, and then second, third, and fourth picked riot pikers. <laughs> oh Jesus! Because he's Ryan Hogan. And uh, as much as I was trying to tell him not to. Um, but yeah, those pikers uh, were awesome for him. He ended up with a ton of pump. And uh, I think he only lost a riot piker to to just a straight up jump attack once in the entire draft. And, and okay, you, can, I mean, you can imagine he drew them a lot. But, yeah, but at the same time, you could also imagine he just ran well with them too. I, like one draft... True. It's not enough to convince me that that card is good or no, playable. I know. I know, I know. But it was a good sampling because I got to see him play Riot Piker turn two, like, almost every game, you know? Yeah. The the big deal on that card is that it is a two-drop, and two-drops in this format are of high importance. Like you said, if you're if you're not doing something on turn three, you need to be doing something on turn two. Uh, or at least when you're, like, a lot of decks, turn two is just another guild gate, but... That first time you have access to two mana, like you need to be doing something most of the time. Yeah. Or you're gonna start falling behind to the people who are doing something on the early turns. Yeah. I mean two drops are I think they're as important as they were in Gate Crash, and they were super important in Gate Crash. But yeah, aggro I think is where you want to be right now. That could shift as more people figure it out. 
and start trying to draft aggro decks and sticking to two colors, that might open the doors for people to get into kind of more mid-rangey value decks. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem is, is that there aren't a whole lot of tools to deal with an early onslaught of multiple creatures, you know? Right. There, there aren't a whole lot of easy two-for-ones. Like, Electricery only hits one-toughness dudes. The only Wrath effects are rare, and they cost four and six mana. I, It's just, it, it seems like they're hard to combat, and I, I suppose one of the ways you do that is with those two-fours with the Gatekeepers, but even then, like, you're a pump spell or a blood rush away from that guy dying most of the time, so... Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's really tough, uh, but I I do think, it, I mean, if it does shift, which I think it will, because it does feel like the aggro decks are winning more often, that they, the ag- I don't think aggro is very good if half the table is drafting it. Right, and it's going to be harder to draft aggro as more people start to prioritize two drops over the sweep for five, six mana spells. Totally. Um, I the one deck that I've been really impressed with every time I've come across it is Bant. Bant is very good because it's it has the tools to fight aggro, being a life gain. million life gain spells, Jesus. tempo tempo spells like dramatic rescue. Yeah, and and just like cards to jump guys like Seller's Songbirds and stuff like that. Like it just it just has the the real like really good tools. For that, and it has like the big mid rangey creatures to take over the game once they stabilize. It just it feels the like the most. Uh, it's I, basically the Selesnia deck from Return to Ravnica. It's the deck that's best against the Rakdos of the format, which is just like the, it's the mid rangey life gain deck that can just beat up on the the aggro decks. Right. Totally. I I think. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, I can't think. Comparison. <laughs> ha! Found it. Got there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Look. I mean, don't try to force Bant because it's it's impossible. It, uh, not impossible, but forcing a shard is <laughs> real hard. It's really dumb too. Yeah. Just cause you can miss out on a lot of value just by reading signals and getting into something that's open. Yeah, and that's a good point about signals. Signals are super important in this format. I think more so than before. They're, it's just so... I, I feel like they're so easy to see because there are so many gold cards where... Um, and, and, well, I should preface this with most decks, for those of you out there, should should be two-color. If you're not doing it that way... And when I say two-color, I mean two-color with a splash. If you're not doing it that way, that's that's probably not a great plan. It's really hard to split your mana base into th- three main colors. And so it's really easy to see what shard is being, or which shards are coming, you know? It's like, you, you see the better, you see like the the beetle form mage come sixth pick, and you're like, oh, I could be base blue-green, because I know it's wide open, right? Yeah. The trick there is making sure you haven't passed too much of the blue-green stuff before you make that realization. Like, you need to remember what picks you haven't made up to that point, because you know that in pack two, which is the Simic pack, 
the person to your left is going to be feeding you and you might just get cut off of that color combination. Yeah, and that's that's a really good point about like thinking about which which side is feeding you which guild. Cuz yeah, if you if you passed a bunch of Simic cards uh, and then you decided you wanted to get into it, like yeah, that's going to be bad for you. But say maybe you passed a bunch of like Golgari cards and you wanted to get into Golgari, it might be fine, right? Because the guy who's passing you Golgari is the same one that just passed you all that Golgari. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some uh, some cards that have gone up since our initial evaluation. Either cards in the new set that we that have turned to be better than we thought they were, or cards from the old sets that have kind of gone up or down in value based upon how the format has changed. Do you have any uh, off the top of your head you can you can think of? Yes. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the Dragon's Maze card. This is a Faller. Um, Maze Glider. So, when we did the spoiler, I, I think we said that Maze Glider was possibly the best common in blue. Uh, I yeah. definitely don't think that's the case. What do you think the best common in blue is? Um... It might just be the uh, uh, the Drake, unfortunately. Wind Drake. Yeah. Man, that's sad if that's the case. It, it might be. I mean, the thing is, is six mana spells. There's also runners. Runners Bane's pretty good. That might be it. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That's uh, a real card. But but yeah, six mana spells are just not. Like they have to do something more than a three five flying. And the perk the perks on all the all the maze creatures are essentially non existent. Yeah, I found that too. I mean th- there are cases where they'll it'll be it'll come up. Yeah. But the best the best one is always the death touch guy, and he's already the best of the creatures as a four or five death touch. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, so the maze glider is it it just doesn't do enough at, at three power flying. Like I'd much rather have, say the uh, this is going into a different pack, but the uh, the detain three three flying for six. He just affects the board more. Oh yeah yeah I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Not that I can remember the name of these return to Ravnica cards for the life of me. Oh my god. I know it's sad. We'll we'll get there. Vesperia Sky Knight, Skywatch, something like that? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Um, anyway, yeah, that card's fallen for me. Uh, I was, you know, my first evaluation of it was that, you know, every version or every maze glider in the draft was going to be played, and I definitely think that's not the case. I think there's plenty sitting on the sidelines. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that six drops, are, like that aggro is as good as it is, though, and the six drops are worse because of that. Right, which which makes it a lower pick, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, but again, if if the kind of dynamics of aggro versus control shift, that could change again the evaluations of those six drop creatures. True. All right. Well, I have I have a riser from the new set, uh, Haunter of Nightvale, which is the Demir uncommon. Three blue black for a three four and creatures your opponents control get minus one minus zero. Oh man, that card's so good. I was not impressed with it upon first reading it, just because I 
kind of forgot how good that just static ability on the card is. And then I had it played against me in a side draft at the GP, and oh my god, did it shut me down. I couldn't do shit when that thing hit the table. Yeah, it's it's absurd. I mean, it really stops it all. Like, <laughs> they, just, they just stop in their tracks when you drop it. It reminds me a lot of... Um, what is that card? Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Guardian of the Gateless... Oh yeah, the three three flyer for yeah. white. And and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think it's better because it helps on com on attacking as well, which because it basically stops them in their tracks, and then you can easily become the aggressor because yeah. everything is so small on their side. I found that you don't even need to become the aggressor because at that point, once you've kind of locked down the board like that, you have all the time in the world to figure out how you're going to win the game. And True. it's one of the most demoralizing ways to lose is when you're just staring at this guy who's shrinking all of your dudes and you're like, if I don't kill that, I can't win, you know? Mm-hmm. And the real scary part is, is that if you spend like a quality removal spell on this card, which is what it demands as a three, four, yep. like that's not easy to take out. If you spend a quality removal spell on this, that means that's a quality removal spell. You didn't get to save for their actual like bomb creature, like consuming aberration or, the uh, the mind drinker that mills you when he when he hits you you know totally so I found that card to be much better than I initially thought it was going to be and I'm very impressed now yeah uh, so I got a riser from an older set hit me uh, I guess this is kind of no surprise but it is surprising because it seems so bad it is <laughs> um oh man and I just lost the name of it in my head the what's it do it's the gate, the gate vigilance crusade. Oh yeah, hold the gates. Hold the gates. Hold the gates is now a, a card. I I've had it played against me, and it won it won the game. Like it was a legitimate, awesome crusade effect. Yeah, the vigilance is really a backbreaker on that card sometimes. Yeah. It was, it's one thing for all their cards to get better, like their creatures to get bigger, but the fact that like they can attack and block with them is just kind of absurd. Yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, I was playing black, and I had a lot of minus removal spells stuff, you know? Oh, minus the toughness <laughs> removal spells. And so I, it's being a little results-oriented when I say that it's it like was a real card. Because I was staring at removal spells that didn't actually kill creatures, which was fucking frustrating. That sucks. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I really do think, like, not in every deck, obviously, but in a deck with four gates, maybe four or five gates, it it really is, like, plus O, plus two often. And it's that's huge. Like, when they have, like, two or three creatures out that are x5s x6s x7s i mean it's so hard to get through yeah especially when they get to attack you with those creatures anyway yeah yeah now that that card has definitely gotten better uh man i had one on the tip of my tongue and i lost it what was it i don't remember do you have any more um let's think here uh we can we can edit some of this out too (laughs) All this, uh, let's think of. Uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a good one that was always pretty good, but 
it feels even I don't know I I could be just wrong but Rakdos Cackler feels better than I expected it yeah I always love that card I know and, and <laughs> I didn't I didn't love it that much in Return to Ravnica and I can't really pinpoint why I think it was just because so many three threes were running around yeah but I like to try a militant a lot too, though. Just the two power for one mana was always pretty good in both of the, in that set. Yeah, I think both of those feel better than I expected them to. They just the one mana two twos. Uh, although like we have these two fours running around, but that's turn four that they're casting that. And if you got in for four damage before they could stem the bleeding, like that guy's done his job, and he might get in more damage later. Yeah, for sure. So. I I've in I've been impressed by one mana two twos. Kind of going back to the whole the gates discussion, I found that enchantment removal spells have all gotten a little bit better just because I feel like there are more targets now. Yeah, they there definitely are. Uh, <laughs> I was telling Greg this story. I actually did not tell you the 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 stinger on the end of it, but I sided in a conjured currency against a guy with a ton of bombs. Um, he ended up at the very end. The the turn before he won, I had I had to play my giant Sphinx dragon because he had his own dragon on his side, and I just ha- it had to I had to do it. And uh, he stole it, and then he cast Angelic Edict to exile my damn Conjured Currency. And it was a big beating. Yikes! That is rough. <laughs> it was it was worthy of. I don't know. It made me laugh a lot, so I was pretty happy to lose that way. But yeah, there there are definitely more enchantments and enchantment removal, um, like naturalize effects are not main deckable, but they are very very nice in the sideboard. Yeah, I'm not saying you want to be main decking any of those, except for maybe the types of cards that you might main deck anyway. Like, isn't there a a white creature that can you can just sacrifice to destroy an enchantment? Yeah, the Keening Apparition. There you go, thank you. So that guy, I think, is a little bit better. He was already fine. Yeah, that card's good. Yeah. Uh, the other ones that are obvious, I think, are that have gotten better are the... The things that care about gates, Gate Creeper Vine, Ogre Jailbreaker, uh, like you said, hold the gates. Also, cards that destroy artifacts, because a lot of people will run Clue Stones. So, like, the Batterhorn is definitely a little bit better. Um, I would say only cards that destroy an artifact and do something else. Sure, yeah, yeah. You're not really citing in artifact hate for... Clue stones, but you can ran like if you also get a four three that goes with it, that's pretty good. Yeah, Batterhorn seems fine. Batterhorn is sweet. Uh, yeah, in general, I think aggressive cards have gone up in my mind just because it, they're that much more valuable now. Mm-hmm. But man, I, 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 we come back to this every once in a while on the podcast. I bring this up a lot, but I'm pretty sure that like Magic players as like a hive mind. We'll always figure out how to play aggro in a draft format. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward generally. Yeah, and I, I think that's fine for now. 
But if they ever get to the point where they like want to make like a controlling quote unquote draft set and it just doesn't work, like isn't that gonna be kind of appalling if if people are just playing their one ones for one and bad auras and stuff to make make things work? I think that they've made controlling formats in the recent past that have worked. Um, Can you give me an example? M11. Right? Ugh. That was was three M sets ago? Uh, Two, right? Two, yeah. I guess, I mean, we're starting to see spoilers for M14, so it feels like three to me. Yeah, I guess you're right. Whatever. I guess that was a while ago. Um, I also don't count corsets. <laughs> That's fine. I I that was the first one that popped into my head. Um this is not really a controlling format, but Rise of the Eldrazi was at least like it it supported control well. Yeah, or at least it supported big mana well. Yeah. And again, which that, feels like control. And it's crazy that that set is now like old. Yeah. I guess I guess I it's been a little while. But um I don't know. I think it's still doable. I don't think that this format is pushed extremely heavily towards control. It it looks on the outside that it might be, but I think because of like so many of the guilds are based on attacking, it just it just isn't gonna be inherently because of that. I think they could I think they could push it and it, it could be the, the major strategy. And and the problem is though, is I don't think Wizards wants that to be the case uh, there's a few reasons i mean one is we play this game timed right and control is a slow strategy like nobody wants to go to time and the more like if they build like a completely control based set like that stuff's going to happen more often people hate that and then uh also they're just pushing the the game moving towards the combat step being the most important step of the game. And, you know, that generally means you're attacking, which means somebody's the aggressor, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I get it. I I guess what I'm saying is that there was this kind of over-exaggerated notion that, oh, well, now the format's really going to slow down, when in your experience and in my experience... It maybe has slowed down a little, but if anything, that's just made the fast text better. True, yeah. Yeah. And that's there's something kind of strange about that that feels... It doesn't feel bad to me, necessarily, but it maybe it, it feels like it's not necessarily what Wizards intended. And I'm putting words into their mouth, obviously. I'm just speculating, but if they really did want to slow the format down, like, maybe they did that. But it, like I said, if, if the aggro decks get better in a slower format, then aggro is still the best deck, you know? And that's kind of awkward, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. I don't know. I don't think it matters, necessarily. I'm just... I, if anything, I'm, I'm more noting the fact that I'm impressed that no matter what happens, if there's an aggro deck to be found, like... The magic community is going to find it because there is a, a strong subset of players who want to just beat down. Yeah, my, myself included. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of players that don't want to as well though. It's just right. the harder. It's the it's the route that 
isn't as straightforward, so it's harder to figure out. And I don't know. Like, yeah. Th- I mean, those are the players I'm worried about, I guess, is what I'm saying, is the players who want to be able to draft four- and five-color control decks, and if they're just not going to be able to because, like, the Magic community is, is too smart, you know? I, I guess You're... it just takes it takes them getting smarter, you know, I guess. Yeah, or maybe even Wizards getting smarter. I mean, it's possible that Wizards is too, like, too good at at making aggro cards. <laughs> and in terms of making a the, the like strategy over a draft format, um, very intuitive, you know. And they just need to figure out how to do that for control. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, let's get back to a couple risers and fallers. I've got just two more here. Um, both of them also from Gatecrash. One of them, is, speaking of aggro cards, Cloudfin Raptor. I Ooh. thought this card would get worse. I think no. it's better. Much better. Just because there are so many more creatures that can evolve it up to three and four power. Yeah, it gets big real, real, real easy. Yeah, the, all the two fours make this guy just a real big threat really fast he's still just like a snap mugging target on turn turn one or turn two yeah i would say that all of the evolved creatures that have one toughness are better they just all they all seem to grow easier because our yeah because our butts are so big now because we got the big old ass yeah uh a card that has gone down for me on kind of like the similar evolve plan is leyline phantom Mostly just because you don't get as many evolved creatures, and I think part of what made the Phantom good was that when you cast it on turn five, you could evolve multiple Simic cards before, whereas now you're just honestly not going to be able to evolve as many. Yeah, yeah, that guy. So, he also gave like inevitability to the Simic deck, as like every time you attacked with it, you were just making things worse for your opponent. Yeah. And now you don't have that kind of critical mass of evolved creatures to make the Leyland Phantom really good. I'm not saying he's unplayable. I just think he's less valuable than he used to be. Yeah, I agree. What do you, I actually wanted to ask you about this. What do you think about just counter spells in general? Like cancel, like counter flux. Uh, there's a new white blue counter spell at rare. Um, and then there's the psychic strike from Demir in Gatecrash. How do you how do you feel about those cards in the new format? I like some of them. Um, I like Psychic Strike, but I liked Psychic Strike in Gatecrash as well. But I, I don't I don't think it's great. I think Cancel is you know better, I guess. But <laughs> So would you be more likely to run a cancel now than you would have in Triple Return to Ravnica? Oh, definitely, yeah. Same with Psychic Strike and Gatecrash versus now? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I will say that Syncopate is still awesome. I, yeah, that card's very good. I loved Syncopate in Return to Ravnica, though. So that, that really hasn't changed my valuation, but I, I found out that, hey, I still love that card. <laughs> That's cool. What about discard effects like uh, Purge the Profane and Mind Rot? Not a big fan. No, really? Okay. Um, well, I, I I don't know about Mind Rot. Uh, Purge the Profane still seems unplayable to me. 
Okay, so how about Skullrend, the one that is five mana, deals two damage, and gets cards at random? So I I played that card uh, in one of my Is It decks. Uh, I sided into it, but it was really good. <laughs> but I had a Flux Charger and three Cyclops, so it was like, you know, just another spell because I wanted more spells, you know? Yeah, I played the same card in the same kind of deck, and I was also very impressed with it. I, there's something to be said about the fact that because it's a five mana spell, it doesn't even give you the option of playing it like a mind rot on turn three or turn four. Like you don't even have to worry about it until you can cast it. And by that time, they usually only have two or three cards in hands anyway. Right. So you don't necessarily have to like stress out over, oh, do I cast this now? Do I wait? Because usually by the time you get up to the mana required to cast it, you can just fire it off, get their last two cards, deal them two damage, and then get in there with your Izzet cards. Yeah, I, it really does feel like an Izzet card, though, uh, because like Izzet is so poised to just stall the beginning of the game with the Cyclops and you know maybe the uh, Lob Recruit and things like that, and then just hitting their la- their cards like at turn five getting some triggers on your spells, care, you know, cares cards, and, you know, hopefully getting rid of their bomb out of their hand that they haven't had the mana to cast yet. That's, like, really an is-it thing to do, not a Rakdos thing at all. So, Well, along those same lines, how do you feel about Essence Backlash now? I haven't thought about it at all. Uh, <laughs> I think I like it. I mean, it. it's... It this... seems like it fills that similar role where you're dealing damage, and I mean, I guess you don't get the on your turn instant ability yeah. to turn on your guys. Yeah, that is the bummer about it. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I love it. Okay, it's four mana versus like the three mana of all the other counter spells too, which is kind of rough. Yeah, and the nice thing about is it is that the Cyclops like is a really good card. And goes really late because it re- really requires you to be is it you know and people don't really want to commit so it can go totally. it can go really late yeah okay well um I don't have a whole lot more as far as risers and fallers go do you no but I think we covered quite a few yeah that's I mean that was more than I expected us to talk about to be honest. Uh, so I, I have just like a couple more questions for you to wrap things up. What's been your favorite card from the new set so far? Favorite card from the new set? Um, it could be like a rare, like just favorite card. No, I know what it is. It's Punish the Enemy. Punish the Enemy is so sweet. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, it does so very much. Uh, and also... It's good in every red deck, including is it like, because it is a spell, you know. It's just it does, you know, removes a blocker, does direct damage. Ah, it's just, it's everything you want it to be. I love that card. That's a that's yeah. a super easy first pick for me now. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to play with any of the like good split cards? I have drafted turn and burn twice and. I guess I should have mentioned uh, that instead of Punish the Enemy, because that card is <laughs> real sweet. 
Oh, it's so boy. sweet. Oh, it's such a blowout yeah. every time you cast it. Yeah. I, oh, man. It's, Even if you're just doming them for two and killing a guy. I will say, uh, something I didn't expect. Like, So I, I played with it an entire draft in my Is It deck, and it was just great the whole time. Always two for one. And then I played it in my neck another draft again. Is it? Um, I first picked these both times, but uh, and I came up against a Simic deck, and I didn't think about it at all. But turning their guy with two plus one plus one counters into an O one, not that good. Not that good. And <laughs> uh, it really did come up to where it was like. Turn and burn turned into just a mediocre card. It was weird. Like I really didn't expect it, but it happened. And uh it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, totally. I've I'm kinda of just looking through the spoiler here. I guess it's not a spoiler anymore, it's just a list of cards. <laughs> uh one of the cards that I've been impressed with, I, I this is one more riser for me, I suppose, is Armed and Dangerous. The one that gives plus one plus one a double strike to a creature until end of turn, and then if you fuse it makes all creatures able to block a target creature do so. Yeah, so... I've seen that card win many games, and I knew that it had the potential to do that. I didn't realize how easy it was going to be to make that card a blowout. So when I read that card, I I agree with you completely. I I drafted it in the first draft I did um, with the help of your brother, actually. He He was Skyping in on that draft. And he told me to take it for sure. And I was like, okay, this card seems good. He's like, no, take Armed and Dangerous. And he was very right. Because something I didn't even think about when I looked at it... I looked, oh, you don't have to target the same thing. No, like, <laughs> you just double strike your massive thing and make your little crap... like the Get blocked. Yeah, and it's like, oh, damn, that just wins this turn. Like, every time I look... When I evaluated it at first, it was like... Okay, well, I target this guy with both, and I can wipe like most of the blockers off the other side of the board. Sweet, not like oh, I just I just win, like it just game over. It's very 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 powerful. Yeah, it's a lot like that phenomenon with burn spells where you'll have a burn spell and you'll draw it and you'll be like, oh, what creature am I going to kill with this when your opponent's at low enough of a life to the point where you can just point it at their dome and kill them, and maybe you miss it because your default stance is this is a removal spell. Like, I feel like that mistake is going to be made a lot with Armed and Dangerous, where people look at me like, oh, I can kill so many of my opponent's creatures, when maybe you could have just won the game that turn. Totally. Yeah. So, I will say that Aetherling is probably one of the worst cards they printed for Limited in many sets. Have you played against it yet, or played with it? Um... Etherling. Oh, that's the Morphling, the new Morphling. Yeah, this is the last card I really want to talk about just because it's so absurdly good and unbeatable that it's like it's unfun to play against. Yeah, I played against it, um, and by played against it, I mean my opponent cast it and I conceded immediately. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, you might as well most of the time. No, I mean, I, I only saw it once in one game, and it, it, was, it was winning the next turn, so I was just like, okay. You win. Yep. I don't know. So yeah, it's a dumb, uh, that's it's a dumb th- card, but it's a mythic, yeah. No, it's only a rare. What? Yeah, they made the drama mistake with it. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, and it, I mean, it got played in block at the PT. It'll probably get played in standard because it's that good. Like, the fact that you can exile it and then wrath is pretty fucking stupid. Yeah, that's... You know? Man. Sounds like there's a Etherling Obzidat wrath deck, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, the Obzidat doesn't go out until your end step, so you can't... Like, if you Wrath and you have Obzidat in play, you're oh. just owned. Yeah, it shows what I know about Constructed. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll shut up now. That's all right. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's all I've got. Do you have anything else you want to say about uh, DGR Limited, or should we wrap it up? Uh, no, I did have a question for you that I might as well ask on the recording, although it doesn't have anything to do with this. Um... Are they spoiling Modern Masters, or are they just releasing it with us not knowing what's in it? No, they just started spoiling it. They spoiled Dark Confidant today or yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, it's going to be a mythic rare. Dumb. Dumb indeed. Um, I guess they got to keep the value of cards, though. Yeah, that's, I think, what they're trying to do. But, yeah, I think they'll start spoiling them soon more and more. They're, they've spoiled a lot more M14, though. I give no shits. Yeah, I uh, really don't care yet. Modern, modern Masters is important, because that is Grand Prix Vegas, Woo! and I will be there. So. Yeah, we're excited. I've been talking to some people on Twitter who are uh, looking to, to meet meet the hosts of East West Draftcast, if you can believe it, yeah. I can believe it, because we're pretty great. We are a couple of really awesome dudes. <laughs> and with that said, if you'd like to chime in on Twitter and organize some sort of meeting at GP Vegas with us. Uh, you can find me on there at EW Draftcast. Jeff's handle is at Jeff EWDC. Send us a little tweet and uh, let us know if you're going to be there, what days. Maybe we can all, maybe we get organized like an EWDC meetup and all just get hammered drunk together and play some magic. Um, if you want to email us, you can send an email to eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. We have a website, eastwestdraftcast.com, and you can search us up on Facebook if you'd like to get a hold of us that way. And if you're going to do that, give us a like. We'd appreciate it. Uh, other than that, that's it. That's uh, it. There is, there is nothing other than that. Absolutely nothing. Jeff. There's nothing left. <laughs> well, there's one thing left. Draft cast out.